Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Ryan Kime. I'm our Next Steps minister here. Um, I'm filling in for Solomon as he's out celebrating his 25th wedding anniversary this week. Um, I got to see some wonderful pictures of uh, them down in Florida, so I hopefully he had a great time. Um, speaking of Solomon, um, it's a privilege to be able to be on staff with a great man like that. And, and I don't know about you guys, but we are truly blessed to have as Solomon and his family here and to be part of this church. So Keep that in mind as you uh, have to deal with me today. So um, he will be back next week. So for those of you that are guests, um, come back next week if you want to get a uh, uh, more powerful message than this. But bear with me today. But we're here to celebrate uh, the birth of Christ this uh, Christmas season. And last week, Solomon um, introduced us to something special. He introduced us to a guy by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. And Ebenezer Scrooge is this guy that um, is from the, the movie or the book, A Christmas Carol. How many of you have either read the book or watched the movie? Sweet. So most of you are going to know where we're at. For those of you that don't know, I want to just reiterate a little bit from last week what Ebenezer was described as by the author, Charles Dickens. He described Scrooge this way. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, retching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. And that kind of brings me to my first point. Just the description of what Charles Dickens said about Scrooge kind of brings me to the point of most of us remember Scrooge sitting at this desk. And this desk represents something. It represents that Scrooge was a man of isolation. Scrooge was a man of isolation. So Scrooge just took himself so much into this desk. that that's, This is where we saw him most of the time, was sitting at this desk. His isolation was so involved into money... That that's all he could see. He isolated himself around it so much that he actually lost so many things that he could have loved. And one of those very things that we learned from the book and from the movie is his love of his, that could have been his true love forever, which was Belle. He lost her because he was so isolated. So Scrooge was so isolated with, with money and it just wrapped himself so much up into that that he he was so tight that he would only burn one candle at a time. So he lived so much of his life in an isolation of darkness with just one little lit candle. We learned that not only does he live in that much isolation, but he would also live and eat cold soup. He didn't want to take the resources to warm up that soup. One other way that we know how isolated and how tight Scrooge was was one of the greatest investments that he ever made and that he spent the most money on was in locks. Have you ever noticed, if you watched a movie, how many times he had to lock, how many locks on his doors and how many times he went back to check the doorknob to make sure that that door was, was, was locked? Why? 
because he was so isolated and so wrapped up in what this desk represented for him, the money that he counted and the resources that he made. So his isolation kept him that way. So there's a couple things that I want to teach you from what the ghost of, of Christmas present came and taught Scrooge in the middle of the night when he came. Last week we talked about the Christmas past. This week we're going to talk about the Christmas present. And there's two things that I want to point out that the Christmas, Christmas um, present actually taught us. Life is short here on earth, and there's two things I want you to grasp. And the first thing is, is this. Our ignorance imprisons us. Our ignorance imprisons us. So when I look at ignorance, that, that just tells me I have a lack of knowledge. And Scrooge kind of shows us that. His lack of knowledge of what is going on around him is keeping him from seeing things. And one of the things that we see in, in the story of, of A Christmas Carol is Scrooge, Scrooge says this. When he's having a conversation, when the two guys come in to, to collect money for, for the poor or the unfortunate, Scrooge says this. He says, I help and support these establishments, prisons and poorhouses. They cost enough, and those who are badly off go there. And then the guys that were there to collect the money said, many can't go there, and many would rather die. And then Scrooge goes on to say, if they would rather die, said Scrooge, they better do it and decrease the surplus population. So Scrooge's ignorance kept him so isolated that it only allowed him to see the things he wanted around him the way he wanted to see them instead of allowing God's beautiful glory that he made to be seen. So our ignorance imprisons us, keeps us from seeing what God has created. So moving on from, from our ignorance, the second thing that, that we learn from the Christmas present is our wants strap us down. Our wants strap us down. So our ignorance imprisons us, and our wants strap us down. So I got to thinking, you know, when we think of wants, most of the time we think of, you know, I really want that. I have a desire for that. And I thought, man, there's got to be more to what the word wants or want means. So I looked it up. Good thing we got dictionary.com. So I looked it up, and there's something in there. This is the definition of how dictionary.com describes it. To feel a need or a desire. To feel a need or desire. And the word feel is spelled F-E-E-L. And that is to actually feel it. I actually have a longing. I can't put it away. I have such a desire that I just, I just feel it so much inside me. I cannot step away from it. So our wants, they strap us down. They keep us tightly knit. So I also want to refer back to the, the movie A Christmas Carol here. Dickens, Dickens makes Scrooge's priorities in life very clear to the readers. He's just, just, he is greedy, for example, and places high value on creating and maintaining personal wealth. And one of the greatest examples in the movie that, that we get to see that in is, is when, when Scrooge is... Um, business partner Marley passes away and he's there with the undertaker and the undertaker's got his hand out. Does anybody remember that part? And Scrooge just very reaches in there and he just, boom, and drops it in. And then the undertaker 
stretches it out a little bit further, and then Scrooge does it again. But here's the part that tells me just how, how ignorant and how much want Scrooge had. The thing that he very well does next is what just shows me how isolated he was. The young man gets ready to put the coffin, the door on the coffin. And what does Scrooge do? He says, stop. And has him stop. And Scrooge does the very thing that most of us would not want to do. Reaches down there and grabs those two copper pennies off of his business partner's face, eyes. And then rubs them together. Like he's proud that he took them. You took money from me by taking care of him. I'm going to take the money back and put it in his, in his, his wallet or his pocket. So our isolation, it causes ignorance and it causes wants. So how do we get from this state of isolation? How do we get out of that? How do we get from there over to a table over here? One thing that, one thing that reminds me of is in the, in the movie, when Scrooge's nephew comes in, his nephew Fred comes in, one thing that really gets me is, is he's, his, he says, Merry Christmas, Uncle. And one thing that reminds me that, that Scrooge says is he says, you keep Christmas your way and I'll keep it mine. I got to thinking, how do we keep Christmas? How do we keep Christmas? But the great thing is, is I'll never forget what Fred says. Is he says, you can't keep Christmas, Uncle. And then he goes off on this long speech and, and then little Bob Cratchit comes out and starts clapping him. And then the bottom line is, is Fred says, can't keep Christmas. You got to give it away. So how do we give Christmas away? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to move over here because this is a table. We we have to come to the table of influence. We got to move from isolation to a table of influence. How do we do that? Here's the thing. I want you to get this. This will be up on your screen, and I want you to understand this. We often do for one. In our present time, not only changes their future, but impacts the future of others within our influence. I want you to get that. I'm going to read it again. What we often do for one in our present time, not only changes the future, or their future, but impacts the future of others within our influence. So who's at your table of influence? Who's at your table of influence? Are you stuck at a table of one, a desk of isolation? Or are you at a table of four? Or how about a table of 14? Or how about, an, how about your small group? Or how about your church body, your friends that are here with you right now? Who's in your influence? What does that table look like? I'm going to refer back to the Christmas carol. When the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge on his journey throughout the night to see what is really going on in the world that Scrooge has so isolated himself from, he takes him to Bob Cratchit's house and his very, to, to see his very small house that he has five children, himself and his wife, in this very small house. At the, at the dinner table, Bob's blesses Scrooge. Now Scrooge can't take his eyes off of one person at that table, Tiny Tim. Perhaps Tim reminds Scrooge of his childhood. Scrooge says to the ghost of Christmas present, will Tiny Tim die? 
I see a vacant chair. Christmas present chairs. And Scrooge, of all people, brokenhearted, says, No, that can't be. He must not die. And the ghost of Christmas presents responds, If he would be like to die, he better do it and decrease the surplus population. It wasn't until at that table, at Bob's table, that Scrooge began to be influenced in a way that in his beginning to see the poor and noble, decent people, not people of discard or dismiss. So I know I kind of ran through that, but I wanted you to grasp how we go from a desk of isolation where Scrooge spent most of his life to a table of influence. What influence comes from your table? What influence comes from your table? I want you to think about that question for a minute. What influence comes from your table at work? How do you act at work? Do you act differently at work than you do somewhere else? How about your table of influence at home? When you're sitting around your table eating supper, or you're sitting on a couch having time with your family, what does that table of influence look like? What does that table of influence look like when you go to to a coffee house to sit down and drink coffee? Or the gym? Or better yet, for all those of you that went Black Friday shopping, what was your influence there? Did you set yourself apart? Were you different? So what does your influence look like? So one thing I want to share with you is our influence is so, so, so important. Last February, this past February of 2019, we got the privilege of hosting the very first Night to Shine here through Bachelor Creek. That is a great way to influence people. And I want you to watch this video, and then we're going to chat about it here in a second. Okay, so do you guys remember going to Night to Shine last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah what was it like? Fun. It was really fun? Yeah, yeah. Did you dress up in fancy clothes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Were you, were you um, king and queen of the yeah. prom? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember, Doretta, do you remember walking down the red carpet? Yeah. And everybody cheering for you. Yeah. yeah, that was so exciting. Was that a, yeah, Emily? It was so exciting. Doretta, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Did you like that? Yeah. Yes, it makes you feel really special. What about you, Matt? Yeah. Such a good night. We're really looking forward to doing yeah. that again. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite part? My part? Dancing. Oh, you like to dance? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Was he your buddy? We got to dance together. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You got to dance with Nate. Yeah. That's awesome. What about you, Darlene? Limo and dancing. Uh huh. Emily, did you have so much fun? Did you have so so much fun? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about your night at Night to Shine? Okay, um, I'm Monica Brim, and I've uh, worked at this house.
for probably three years, I'm not sure about six years maybe, with um, these clients. And um, the Night to Shine was all, it was like, it was a new thing, you know, for all of us. It was something new, so we didn't know what to expect. And, um, of course, you know, building up to it, everybody was a little nervous, the clients and staff, because we just weren't, weren't sure what was going on, you know, uh, and how it's all going to go. But I think what I liked the most was that Linda Moranti was just so nice and sweet and um, just talked to me and uh, said, you know, what, what's your name, what do you do, you know, where do you work, and, and just was really sweet and welcoming. And so I really, I really, I really appreciated her. What were the clients like after Night to Shine, after you went and picked them up? Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausted. But, um, yeah, they just, they were super excited. I think shocked, too, because they didn't know there was going to be red, I don't think they knew, you guys didn't know there was going to be red carpet, no. did you? Mm -hmm. And you didn't know there was going to be all those people there, did you? No. No. So we were surprised that all those people were there. Right. Right? Yeah. It took a lot of people to put all that on, didn't it? So we were yeah. surprised, just like the half the yeah. town showed up yeah. for you, right? Yeah. yeah. So right, Mitch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you guys tell me what you're most, you can answer to Monica, what you're most looking forward to at the next Night to Shine coming up February 7th? Darlene, what are you most looking forward to? Another limo ride. Another limo ride? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Matt? Everything. Everything. So you want to talk about a great way to influence. Look at how we influenced those people. There was 125 guests there last year. And we just got to hear from four. And I want to share one more thing. If we can go ahead and put that picture up. So we saw this. Um, this, this letter was given to uh, Matt Burkhart last week. And I asked, I asked uh, Becky if I could, I could see that picture. She put it on Facebook. And um, I just want to just just look at that picture. I mean, can you be my we, we can you be my prom date? However you want to say it. Anyways, basically they're asking if you could be my prom date. So this this young lady was influenced so much by Matt, and not just Matt, but all of us, that she was so encouraged that when she found out we were having a night to shine again, she asked Matt to be her prom date. And I hope that it all works out that Matt can be her prom date again. But well, you want to talk about who's at your table of influence. You got to see four people and you get to see a letter of how we can influence people. But here's the great thing. Night to Shine is something great. The Tim, Debo found, Tim Tebow Foundation is an awesome, awesome thing. And they give us some finances every year. But here's the thing. Every year it gets a little less and less and less. This year we have to raise $15,000 so that we can go out and touch the lives of others. So you want to influence people today? If you go right out these doors after service today, you will be able to go out there and, and there's a Night to Shine banner there with a donation box. Give. Give generously. Give till it hurts. You want to talk about influence. And then just don't give. Sign up. We need volunteers. 
I mean, I don't know. There's not a volunteer sign up out there, but I bet if you talk to David, he'd get you signed up today. So if you want to do either give or sign up to serve, see one of us. We'll get you there signed up. So moving from the desk of isolation to a table of influence, that desk of isolation just tells me that all you think about is I, myself, and just the fear of the loneliness that I have inside of me. That's what the desk of isolation does for us. But the table of influence, it says, hey, look at me. Look who I'm around. This is us. This is my family. This is my friends. This is my coworkers. This is my small group. This is my church. Table of influence says us. Table of, or desk of isolation says me, myself, and I. So how do we get from there to there? So what's the, what's the purpose? And how do we get influence? How, what kind of influence are we given to others? I want to share with you in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to, the son, to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Last week, we got to hear Solomon talk about the ghost of Christmas past. And one thing that he said was, as, as Jesus was born, not to condemn us, but to conquer us from the power that sin holds against us. We're here today in this present time to live freely from the power of those consequences. Why? Because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus, his son, into this world to free us from our sins and from those powers that of sins hold against us forever. He frees us forever. What consequence would we have to pay if we don't accept Christ into our heart? The consequence is death. Death without Jesus. John 14, 16 through 17 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocator, advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept, accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. It took me a while to realize that, that the disciples got to be present with Jesus, walking around with him. Adam and Eve got to be present with, with God, the Father, in the garden. But we get to be present each and every day with Christ with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with our Father in our hearts. Once you've accepted Christ into your heart, the devil will bring up your past because he's intimidated by your future. Because your present you is not your 
is not about your past. It's about who holds your future. Your present you is not about your past. It's about who holds your future. And you know what? That scares Satan, knowing who holds your future. And he's going to keep bringing up your past. And he's going to try to intimidate you with your past. He's going to try to influence you with your past. But I'm here to tell you today that your today is a result from your past filtered through your present enabling you to freely move toward your future. I'm going to repeat that. Your today is a result from your past filtered through your present enabling you to move freely towards your future. I want to explain that just a little bit to you. I just told you that Satan is going to take your past and he's going to try to intimidate you by that. He's going to tell you that you're no good. But if we look at, and I didn't put this in the scripture, in the, on your notes, but 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Once we have Christ in our hearts, every thought that comes into our mind that Satan tries to put in there to, to intimidate us, to influence of our past, if you filter that through your present, your present time, which is God in our hearts, then you can move freely towards your future. Now, we're going to wrap this all up and put this all in together and make it a present and put a little bow on it so that you guys can go home and, and chew on this for a little bit. But there's one thing, there's one turning point in Ebenezer Scrooge's night that makes a difference. Ebenezer had his life rocked of a thought of an empty chair. He had his life rocked. It was turned upside down by the thought of an empty chair. That table, when, when Ebenezer Scrooge was up in there looking down at that table with the ghost of Christmas present, and he looks at that table, all he can see was Tiny Tim. And it broke his heart when, he's, when, when, the, uh, when Christmas present said, I see a vacant chair in the future. So I'm asking you, what vacant chair do you see in the future? One of my favorite, favorite, favorite lines in the movie is this, from the movie A Christmas Carol, is this. If these shadows remained unaltered in the present they will die in the future. So Christmas present told Scrooge, if, if, this is, if, you're, if your present time, what you're doing now is unaltered, I see a vacant chair in the future. So one thing that Ebenezer Scrooge learned in that moment was, is I can't put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. I've got to change my present and not worry about my future. He spent so much time over here at the desk of isolation worrying about his future, making sure that everything was all neat and tidy and put together. And guess what? He lost everything. He lost 
many things in life. He lost his love of his life, Bell. He lost so many friends. He was in so much isolation over there that when he walked down the streets, not even dogs would want to be in the same street as him. They were all empty. That's how much isolation he lived in. But his heart was broken by the, empty, the possibility of an empty chair. Jesus said that all we have to do is ask and we will receive the free gift of his presence. If you then, though, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I would say the Holy Spirit is the best gift anyone could ever get. Acknowledging and open that gift is highly important. Tell the Lord you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let him know you want all the gift in his, the, all the gift associated with the Holy Spirit. You can trust that anything that comes from God is good. Earlier I said Scrooge is described as, as being as solitary as an oyster. This thought struggles. The thought suggests Sorry, the thought suggests that he is shut up, tightly closed, and would, would not be pried open except by force. However, an oyster might contain a pearl. So it suggests there might be good, very deep inside him, underneath that hard, brittle shell of Ebenezer Scrooge. We got a glimpse of Scrooge's pearl in the movie, A Christmas Carol. Once he started to realize that empty chair, he started realizing that those, those people that are poor actually meant something to people. That empty chair tore him up so much and rocked his world that he realized that the less fortunate should not be discard, discarded. He learned that they need to be loved too. So what influence comes from that empty chair? As we look at that table of influence and you reflect back on your table of influence, I want you to think about that for a minute. Who are you influencing? And what are you influencing them with? Are you sharing the love of Jesus with them? Or are you more worried about what's coming from a desk of isolation? There's one more table of influence. that happened over 2,000 years ago. And that was at the Last Supper. As we begin to prepare for communion at this time, I want you to reflect back on this with me as I read through Matthew 26. When evening came, 
Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While you were eating, or while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he gave it, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to look at that for a second. That table of influence that Jesus is sitting at. The things that just took place. The very man that was about to betray Jesus is sitting at that table. Had already sinned in his heart. But I want you to see what happens there. Jesus knows he's about to go do something. But what does Jesus do? He says to the disciples, he says, all of you, not one of you, not 11 of you, all of you drink from this cup. Why? Because it's a sign of something new, the new covenant. He's to forgive you. It's gonna, the blood represents the forgiveness of our sins. So this very man that's sitting there about to sin in one of the greatest ways had a chance to already be forgiven, was forgiven, but still had something to do. Because of him, we have a chance to have forgiveness. Because of him as in Jesus, we have forgiveness in our hearts. We have Christ in us. We have God in us because of the Holy Spirit. So how do we go from the desk of isolation to a table of influence? Who and what are we influencing? And what empty chair is going to break your heart to set you free, to be able to change what's present so that your future can freely move forward. So as we move in and we get ready to take communion here in a second, I just want you to realize that it's not too late. If you don't know Christ, you have accepted him in your heart, you still can do that right now. And I encourage you because we're all here together and it's us. We're family. This is us. This is our table of influence right now. And if you don't know Christ, we want to influence you in a loving way. We want you to accept him and to understand who he is and what he came for. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I just ask that you just influence in this mighty way just how important it is for us to accept you to love you.
And Lord, I pray that we can just influence those that we come in contact, Lord, as we know that you put the people in our lives for a purpose, for a reason. And Lord, we just want to do your will. We thank you so much for sending this son, your son Jesus, into this world. We thank you so much for allowing him to die for our sins so we freely can live a life of freedom and not to be condemned to death without your life. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus. Amen.